on today's Compassion Radio. As we see this growth, which is so exciting, a formerly unreached people group reached with the gospel. We continue the work there, mm-hmm. you know, to take them up. You know, we see in Iran now reaching one and a half percent, but for them to continue growing to two percent, three percent, they need to be anchored in the Word of God. Yeah. Otherwise, they are susceptible, just like the early church was, to different heretical beliefs, things that they may be picking up or trying to assimilate from their culture or what they're seeing on the satellite dish. And these are some of the threats to those early churches in each of those countries. What does the Kingdom of God and the Great Commission really need in a time of COVID? Well, to put not too subtle a pun on it, the church could really use a shot in the arm right now. Hi, I'm Bram Floria with Compassion Radio, the journal of God's people doing amazing things when they're needed most. It's amazing that any Bible distribution and evangelical outreach is happening at all when church gatherings, public assemblies, even entire countries continue to get shut down to quash the scourge that continues to take so many lives. John Padiatti knows it firsthand. As president of Bibles for the World and one of our key ministry partners over the years, he has a front row seat to the amazing work of God when others say it's simply impossible. Today we finish up a conversation we began with key insights into some of the pivotal countries where COVID and the gospel seem to be duking it out. If I was a betting man, I think I'd know where I'd put my money on this one. Now that's not to say that the challenges aren't real or that the medical crisis is any less of a tragedy. We simply need to remind ourselves of one overarching truth. God himself established his kingdom on the person of Jesus Christ, and even death couldn't stop him. He has no intention of letting his kingdom crumble under the weight of this current crisis. But we need to take seriously our role in the battle. We'll pick it up today with a recap of John's thoughts on how the opportunities in Southeast Asia continue to grow as real hunger for the gospel is being met by some very intrepid evangelists and faithful Bible distributors. They need some time to think it through because this could affect their social status. It could affect their employment. It could affect their entire family relationships, their village, their town, different things like that. There is just so much impact that making a decision to follow Christ can bring on somebody. And so we want to provide God's word to those people either as they enter the festival or as they leave. And so we've been given this opportunity with quite a number of different evangelists who are working all over the world We'll be working with Andrew Palau, the son of Luis Palau, in Malawi. Right now, scheduled for end of September, that he'll be taking his team in there. And of course, we know our dear brother Luis passed away, promoted the glory just uh, hardly a month, month and a half ago. But uh, his son Andrew continues with tremendous fervor reaching out through crusades around the world. And so we've been blessed to come alongside him for the last seven, eight years now and providing God's Word at those festivals. In light of the threats, medically speaking, if they have to shift to something else, what do they do? Well, one of the things, actually, it's interesting you ask, Bram, is that we are exploring following up with the evangelism process with an electronic continuous scripture distribution, hmm. basically with software with an app that they'll be able to download onto their phones, okay. and okay. that we will be able to continue to send them scripture, make scripture and other resources available to them through this app. And it's something that we've been working on here through COVID, and hoping, actually, that we can do kind of a beta test at the Malawi Festival at the end of September. And through that, we'll be able to track, and they'll be able to note that they made a decision to follow Christ through that app. 
then we can look at trying to get them connected to the local church or to other resources that we can make available to them through the app. And so it'll be a way for us to continue the process of early discipleship and get them connected to the body of Christ, which is the eventual goal. We know that we can't start churches and, you know, continue the work ongoing in so many countries as God has blessed us to be able to work in. But we want to connect them with other strong evangelical churches in these different countries and in their hometowns, essentially. I remember when I sat down probably 10 years ago with a young man who had big dreams for bringing the gospel to Malawi. His name was James Nyando, and he was the son of one of the big tribal leaders of the country. He had a passion for it. He had come to study in the States, and he was looking around for partners, people that would believe in him. And so few of the American churches at the time saw any future for Malawi and didn't give him any resources. So when he went back to Africa, he went on to South Africa to study law and and politics and was getting prepared to get serious about transforming his country's culture and the situation of graft and tribal enmities that was still persisted in the country. He wanted to see it come to a new light, and he knew that the gospel was a way to that. So he was ready and poised to take on the national problems and was in the middle of a political campaign to do that very thing and then got lung cancer and died young. In 2015, he was gone. Mm. But I remember sitting there years before that thinking, this young guy has got it. And you look at that and you say, he's kind of like the rich young ruler who said yes, because he had every opportunity to just take power, but he didn't want power. He wanted Jesus. When I heard the news that he'd gotten sick and left behind a young family, I wept for him because he was a friend. But he was also somebody I thought in the second breath, what a waste. He was so ready to do so much good. But then I had to remind myself, there is no seed that God plants that's not going to bring forth fruit when he's ready. And it seems to me, I've been hearing a lot about Malawi suddenly being open and hungry for the gospel and throwing the doors wide open. So I got to wonder about the connection between the life of that young man, James, and what happened and is happening now in that country. Yes, it's, it is amazing. We were there with Andrew. He did a, a festival in the capital, the political capital of Lilongwe in mm-hmm. 2016, provided scriptures there. Just saw incredible hunger for the gospel, for God's word, and they did as well. And so they're now planning this year to do the city of Blantyre, which is the economic capital mm-hmm. of that country. And so that's where we're planning to go in and come alongside them and provide scripture at that festival. Well, I'd encourage our listeners to be praying some cover on that campaign, because if God was that serious about putting it in the heart of people across a generation, and even people who can't see the finish line for that event happen, like James Neondo, Mm. he's still after those people, and he's got a reason to go there and say, this is my time for Malawi. So we need to be praying for that particular East African country. Yes, that's so true. And they're so strategically located, and just knowing that from there, God's work can go out to neighboring countries countries that have had even uh, stronger moves of the Islamic forces pushing down on them, but it can go out from Malawi and and touch the rest of Africa. Amen. Well, what else you got for me? Every time I come sit down at the table with you, we could look at the list and say, okay, there's 110 countries here to pick from. Start somewhere. And every time we end up coming down to like three or four saying, we just got to talk about this. We don't have enough time to go through the entire survey. But what else, what else is moving your heart, John? Well, I know that from long back for Compassion Radio Network and for Norm, 
you know, Southeast Asia was always the place that uh, really moved him, that mm-hmm. just broke his heart, you know, all through those days, you know, even going back 40, 50 years. Right. And so, you know, we've been doing some work in Cambodia. We were there with another evangelist in late 2019. His name was Franklin Graham. Mm-hmm. A name people might know. Yeah. And we had a wonderful time providing God's Word to everyone who attended his his festival there in uh, Phnom Penh, in the capital. And so we've been asked to come back in uh, kind of the second city of Cambodia. Another of our partners is planning festival. And I've got to say planning because mm-hmm. these days, you know, it's it, things get moved. He was to be there last year, but we pushed it into uh, 2021 here. So again, we're gearing back up to go in with him to Cambodia, to the area of Batambang in mm-hmm. the uh, northwest part of that country. Also, what God has developed for us, I mean, he just keeps bringing opportunities, is some doors just cracking open in next door in the country of Vietnam. Mm. Interestingly, because of some of the history there, you know, the French occupation in that country, there has been a Roman Catholic population as well as an evangelical population in that country that's been slowly, steadily growing, I don't know, but, Mm -hmm. um, you know, they're there. And they've been allowed by the government to have kind of their one holiday, their one festival year is a Christmas festival Mm -hmm. that the government kind of allows them, okay, that's your holiday, we'll let you do things on that day. And so the church there, the Christians, the believers there have been holding Christmas festivals And so we actually had come alongside some of those, though we couldn't travel there last year from a distance, provided scriptures for those events in a couple of small towns in Vietnam last year. And got some amazing reports back of people coming to know the Lord, people coming forward. Of course, they're using that Christmas festival as an opportunity to share God's word, share the message of uh, salvation through Jesus Christ, and people coming forward and accepting that free gift right there at Christmas time. And so we're looking at going back in there in December for some of these Christmas festivals and just coming alongside Vietnamese Christians as they do this work there. We'll see whether some of the American guests will be able to uh, travel in there and share the gospel at these Christmas festivals. Whether they do or not, we know that we're going to be in there supporting the work of the Holy Spirit, the work of these faithful Vietnamese Christians in there, and uh, just trying to equip them to reach out with the message of Jesus Christ. The country of Vietnam, as far as I can tell, seems to be quite a bit different in their contemporary history than Cambodia or Laos or Myanmar because they had such a strong command and control mechanism built because of the war against the Americans. And so the hill tribes are always considered to be kind of a niggling annoyance for the other countries, because they didn't come down to the hills very much, and you could kind of snipe at them and keep them up there. They wouldn't be a problem. And that's where the gospel took root, because people that you know had the Bible were willing to go to those ends of the earth, and the gospel was actually getting planted in those hill tribes. But in Vietnam... The backbone of the communist regime was tied in with those hill tribes of Vietnam. So they knew those people, and they were not shy about slamming down a rigid cap on any religious activity across their country. At the same time, they're following the path of China, it seems, in opening up the West, getting the Western dollars in, opening up the coast for cultural tourism. So those things are are booming for them. And so is their manufacturing sector as one of the fast-growing young tigers of Asia. They're an interesting mix. The best and worst of China seems to be happening in Vietnam now. Mm -hmm. Yes, they are certainly watching very closely what China is doing. 
at the same time, they don't want to take orders from China. Mm -hmm. So it's an interesting political economic dynamic there as they put things into place, both economically to open up, as you mentioned, for manufacturing and different things like that, opening up the tourism industry there but then also wanting to do it their own way, the Vietnamese way. Right. It's been interesting as we have entered into some real partnerships there, you know, get in deep and, and learn more. And I know both you and Norm before had spent a lot of time invested in this country and in this region. Yeah. And so that's why I'm so excited to share it with you. We'd love to have you join with us, Bram. <laughs> we are so ready, friend. <laughs> as soon as God opens the <laughs> so, door, we're out there with you. When you have a history in your own ministry, Norman Share especially, when they can say, not only did I go there, but I went there with Bibles strapped to my thighs in order to get them through checkpoints and get them up to the hill country. I've seen those pictures. Yeah, I just love it. <laughs> There's still burn marks, I think, on Share's legs. <laughs> but the commitment that this ministry and our listeners have always had to the important things of how the gospel gets planted, and then, of course, flows from that to maturing fellowships that transform society and take care of real needs and just do the thing. Thing. They live the gospel in every way possible. You know, you've seen us. We've been involved with all those different stages as a ministry. We try to communicate the stories of how the gospel got there, what the gospel did there, and what those who are changed by the gospel are doing there. Mm -hmm. It is. as transforming the world everywhere it lands. So I'm so glad that we get to have through your eyes and through your people at Bibles for the World that lens into how does the soil get turned over? How does the seed get planted? How do those who know the Word of God till that soil and keep it watered and wait for the fruit to come and then distribute that fruit. Mm -hmm. That for me is a marvelous chapter in that whole continuum. I'm glad we get to be part of that each year. Part of the challenge for the church in the age of COVID is how to continue to reach out to those who need the gospel most in a time of great anxiety and discouragement. In one way or another, we're all being called to care for others in some really trying times. By God's grace and sticking together, we can get through it. If you find any value in what we do, we need to hear from you today. The easiest way is through our website, CompassionRadio.com. You can also reach out through our toll-free order line, 1-800-868-2478. And please note our new mailing address, P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California. 92877. That's box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Just before Christmas, I traveled with John to Vietnam, a country we've long had on our radar for Bible projects. In fact, Norman Sherry Nelson did some pioneering work there 30 years ago, ferrying in batches of Bibles to the small but rapidly growing church in cities and hill tribe villages. I was astounded to discover that the early work had yielded tremendous fruit opening doors we couldn't have even imagined three decades ago. For the first time in the history of communist Vietnam, Christians were now allowed to openly celebrate their faith and held two nationally permitted crusades in Ho Chi Minh City and Hanoi. John and I witnessed hundreds of Vietnamese Christian artists and evangelists sharing their faith with tens of thousands of their countrymen, including government officials who had until recently been persecuting the church. The window of opportunity for the gospel is open right now, and Bibles are allowed in. The churches are asking for them earnestly, so please send your best gift today to help us provide the Bibles they are begging for in 2023. Thank you. Is there any other place in the world where your heart's just aching for that we need to be praying for you as you pursue God's wisdom and what to do next? Well, it always comes back to our home country, mm. you know, for my parents of India. 
and probably been seeing and hearing in the news, you know, how this COVID is ravaging that country. Yes, we have. Where it's shot up to, you know, over a million new cases in the last three days. And, uh, you know, the highest spike ever for any country in the world. I mean, surpassing Brazil and Mm -hmm. Russia at different times, far surpassing what we're seeing here in the U.S. You know, you had a healthcare system that was not even enough to handle the huge population of India. And it is just completely overwhelmed now when you think, you know, here's a country four times the size of the U.S., it wouldn't even have one tenth the healthcare system of the U.S. And pictures of two, three people in a bed, people lined up outside of hospitals waiting to get in, dying right there on the sidewalk on the streets as they're just waiting to get a bed, waiting to get any type of medical attention. And this is uh, moving up into our northeast region mm. just literally in the last week. And my mom's over there right now. She's been kind of stuck over there. And every time we've looked to move her out, there's been different issues of travel through certain countries wasn't allowed and things like that. And so now we're just uh, telling her to hold tight. And, you know, it's more risky if you go through the New Delhi airport than if you just stay tight where you are. Your home base, John, is not exactly a little encampment. You have an entire ministry organization and training centers and hospitals and all kinds of things bringing the gospel to all the other hill tribes of northern India. Mm -hmm. So you are the hub of an entire evangelical outreach and societal transformation movement. And there are hundreds and thousands of children that go to schools that you sponsor that you train the teachers for. So you are not a small thing. So if it's getting close to you, COVID could be a real threat to all the operations that are there. Right. We have students at our seminary, which is accredited internationally up to a master of divinity level, and they're coming from all over India, as well as from neighboring countries of Burma, Myanmar, and Nepal and Bhutan. So we've actually had to close down here and send everyone home. Otherwise, Mm, I'm so sorry. Just even moving state to state, the interstate boundaries have gotten to be pretty tricky, pretty difficult to navigate here as each state is trying to put up their own defenses and understandably so. The other side of it, though, that has just been breaking my heart, and I I wake up every morning, I just dread to see what messages and pictures have come across, how the body of Christ has been hit so hard. I mean, people in leadership in the various Christian evangelical churches that have been lost due to this epidemic— bishops or leaders of denominations that we've lost, and then from seminaries— a couple of seminaries in India have just been updating me, and it's just tragic. I mean, they've lost professors, hmm. they've lost staff, they've lost students. You know, estimated now we're over 150 pastors, Christian leaders of significance that we've lost to this, and it's going to create a huge vacuum, a void yes. in the future, this big gap beyond the short-term tragedy that the country is facing. We're going to have a gap in leadership, we're going to have a gap in training, and for the next 5, 10, 15 years, Years, the body of Christ is really being pushed back a couple of steps because of all those leaders. I mean, it takes time to get somebody trained up that they can be a professor in a seminary. Yeah. We just lost so many of those. So fortunately, our seminary hasn't lost anybody. We've had a few contract COVID, but by God's grace, they have recovered. But, you know, we just look to the future, knowing that we've got to build up our leadership training. We have students coming from what I call recently reached people groups. Mm-hmm. 
where our missionaries and evangelists are out there on the front lines, and then a few people will come to the Lord, and a church will be planted, and then out of that village or out of that region, they'll say, hey, you know, we need to have our own pastor, and they nominate some young man to come to our seminary, and so we've been sponsoring them to go back to their people. And so at any given time, we've got 25, 28, 30 different people groups represented at our seminary, and they're all like, young first generation believers is always yeah. very very exciting and, yes, you know yeah. you spent time with me bram with these first generation believers how exciting that yeah, is. is you know the, the the passion they have to go back to their own people and share the gospel you brought up a term here that i hadn't heard said before but it's like exactly what we've been talking about for years recently reached people groups mm-hmm. it has a distinctiveness to it in that when you talk about the Great Commission numbers, when organizations say, we're going to go reach this people, that group, this nation, to get a single witness of the gospel, the word in their language, a church existing and multiplying, that's it. You've reached that people group. <laughs> but the work has only begun. You know, you talk about millions of people in some of these places, and some of the largest people groups that are unreached completely, like in Bangladesh and Pakistan that have hundreds of millions of people in their group that are still not reached. Mm -hmm. But when they're finally reached, great, the seed has brought forth fruit. It's one little flower in a giant pasture that is devoid of life, and it's just beginning. And you are coming alongside those who are the first fruits of God's creation, of his kingdom there. And so it's going to be a huge ramp up. And like you're talking about earlier in our programs, Iran, they got a million believers there now, which is a huge jump, a big logarithmic curve from a few hundred believers to thousands to now a million. That's an amazing growth. It'll eventually plateau. But the point is, while it's growing, it's like a wildfire of the Spirit. And you want to make sure you're equipping those as best you can with those things they're going to need to, you know, in some ways kind of harness that energy that God's pouring into them so that it doesn't just run crazy. And that people don't end up following false gospels or half-truths or one verse out of context and stuff. You've got to be there for them with all the tools in the toolbox, the entire armor of God. That's what you're out there to do. Especially it's so important at that time. As we see this growth, which is so exciting, a formerly unreached people group is reached with the gospel that we continue the work there, mm-hmm. you know, to take them up. You know, we see in Iran now reaching one and a half percent, but for them to continue growing to two percent, three percent, they need to be anchored in the Word of God. Yeah. Otherwise, they are susceptible, just like the early church was, to different heretical beliefs, things that they may be picking up or trying to assimilate from their culture or what they're seeing on the satellite dish. And mm-hmm. these are some of the threats to those early churches in each of those countries. Yeah as was to the early church. Mm-hmm. And so we obviously have an immense amount of resources that the church in previous centuries had no clue could even be possible, and we are grateful for that, and that people like you are multiplying those tools and resources constantly. And yet the core thing is always there. There's always going to be a spiritual battle for the souls of men over truth. And as we've seen in the past few years here, truth is on trial. <laughs> the idea of there actually being objective truth about anything is constantly being dismissed as infantile and naive. And yet we turn back to the Word of God and say, there's enough right there in black and white on these pages, in your language and in mine and the original Aramaic and Hebrew Mm. and Greek, to say there's a foundation for all of eternity, all of humanity in these pages, and we need to take it seriously. 
We don't need to be arguing jots and tittles here about what needs to be said in which order in this particular verse. Read the big picture, at least. Let's get through from soup to nuts here and read the thing together and see what God reveals to us together. Mm -hmm. And that's what I love about the way the word is applied through the programs and the people that you work with in all these countries. Well, it's been so wonderful to partner with you, Bram, and with the listeners of Compassion Radio Network, the way you've been able to contribute to some of our outreaches and also just to come alongside and travel with us and Mm -hmm. see some of this for yourselves and just join us in that verification and just the joy of seeing God's word going around out around the world. And I just look forward to the next trip we can take together and and explore together and just discover what God is doing in ways that we could never even imagine. My friends, I would encourage you as you're hearing this program, be praying cover over the Bibles for the world team, especially at their home base there in India. The wave of COVID coming through the country is truly dangerous, and as many people as are dying and will die over the months to come, it's going to be a tragedy of traumatic proportions, and they're losing leaders. But we need to be praying that no matter what, that God will sustain His work, His way, and His people to continue to reach the nations, especially all the people groups around Central Asia, which are so diverse and so different in culture and languages. Bibles for the World is at the heart of that. We're so glad you're doing the work, John. And I, I know we're, we need to be praying cover for you, too, as the natural human tendency to worry about your mom and the, your close friends and your best buddies back in India. That God will give you peace through all this, too, as you wait for the opportunity to go minister to them and with them again. Thank you, Bram. appreciate that so much. We'll be talking to you pretty soon here, and hopefully we'll get great reports about how God did miracles there through this dangerous time. Yes, we know He will. We know He will. My thanks to John Fidiety of Bibles for the World for the current update on how the Word is still reaching the world. They've been one of our special project partners over the years, and with their help, we've been able to get a much more in-depth look at the work firsthand. During that time, our Compassion Radio partners, that means you, have given generously to the work of Bible placement through our Operation God's Word campaigns. I encourage you to keep supporting this broadcast as we link arms together in this vital work. As you give... Please remain in prayer for them and their distribution work in over 100 countries. Drop us a line through our website, CompassionRadio.com. You can also reach out through our toll-free order line, 1-800-868-2478. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you tomorrow.